our scripture reading, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll be reading verse 18 to verse 31, the end of the chapter. I'll be looking at just the last few verses of chapter 1 for our sermon text. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 1,131. Then I'll ask you uh, during the sermon to take out the Forms and Prayers book. On page 206, we're going to look at question and answer 15, 16, and 17. First, we turn to the reading of God's Word, beginning at verse 18. Let us not hear God's Word. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. As far the reading of God's word, may it his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are fools for Christ. Think about it for a moment. The message that you believe and confess. What does the world think of it? You're a bunch of fools. Human beings know more than God, don't they? Not at all. To the world, what we believe is folly. It's foolishness. In fact, the Greek word we get moron. 
We're morons for Christ. Dull. Paul says, consider your calling. Don't worry about what the world says of you. Consider your calling. Who are you in Christ? Why has God called you? He tells them, God calls you even though you are of low status and weak in the eyes of the world. Not many of you were wise according to the flesh, worldly standards that is. Not many of you were part of the intellectual class. Not many of you were part of the nobility. Many of you grew up in humble circumstances. You were not born of nobility. You were not born of a privilege and an entitled class. God chose you. God chose you, Corinthians. Don't forget that. Consider it. Consider it. Not just have it thought about in your mind, but thought about, meditated upon, reflect upon it, and let it hit the heart. Verse 27 to 28, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, to make ashamed the wise of the world. God chose what is weak in the world to make ashamed, to shame the strong, those who think they're strong in the world. God chose what is low, or literally low-born, those who were of a low status when they were born, a lower class. Those who were despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God chose broken sinners. Broken sinners. He humbles us so that he gets the glory and so that we boast in him and in his presence. Do you notice that? Because the pride and the so-called strong and the so-called wise of the world, they do their boasting before a watching world, boasting in themselves, lifting themselves up. And they do it in the presence of the world, but before God, they will be ashamed. But the Christian boasts in the Lord. And he does so in the presence of the Lord because he's been accepted by God. Received by God. Some of what we talked about this morning... It's the least of all and the weak in the world who are saved by God and glory in his presence. The unbeliever glories in himself and the presence of his fellow human being. They glory in their own wisdom and their own knowledge, which is not divine knowledge. It's the wisdom of this world. But the people of God who are saved by the power of God through the preaching of the cross of Christ 
glory in God and confess His name in His glorious presence. The preaching of the cross. Could you be any more foolish, Christian, to speak of a man who died on a cross? The cross is folly to the world, but to the believer, it's the wisdom and power in God. It's antithetical to the world's understanding of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It is through the cross that God saves, and the cross is the only way unto salvation. That is where the wisdom of God is found. Therefore, we boast not in ourselves, but in the Lord. To boast means to hold your head up high. It is to have a confidence. And so when we say we boast in the Lord, we have our held head our head held up high with a God-given confidence that we are His people and He is our God. And that He, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the true wisdom of God. We boast, we have a God-given confidence in salvation that is full and free in a salvation that belongs to the Lord from beginning to end. And it's the cross of Christ where humanity, the world, stumbles. You can speak of a Savior, one who is good and lived a moral life, a righteous life, But once you talk about a Savior who's crucified and risen, well, now we got a problem on our hands. The cross of Christ and His resurrection is the pinnacle in salvation history where the wisdom of God is on display in the salvation of sinners like you and me. Think about it. Think about what we sing. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. And then in stanza two, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Forbid it, Lord that I should boast. Save in the death of Christ my God. Except in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast in any effort that I think that I can bring to the table to have favor with you, to be accepted by you. Forbid it, Lord. Paul says, consider your calling. Christian, today, consider your calling, who you belong to, what he did for you, how he accomplished salvation through Christ at the cross. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise and wisdom of this world 
God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong of this world. That's how God works. So don't forget it. Don't forget it. Consider it. Consider it carefully, thoughtfully, meditatively, with a heart and attitude of worship. That's how you consider these things. That's how you consider your calling. Then in the eyes of the world, we are but fools. We are but fools for Christ. So be it. And we boast in the Lord. We come now to the last two verses, verses 30 to 31, where I want to kind of camp on for our time. If you look with me in your Bible, he's going to sum up here. Why consider your calling? Why and how did God choose you? What did he do in order for that to happen? Verse 30 and 31. And because of him, or literally, and from him, or out of him, out of the Father, out of God, you are in Christ. You are in him, in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Congregation of Christ, we boast in the Lord because salvation belongs to the Lord. Paul says, because of Him, by God, you are in Christ. You have union with Christ in His death and resurrection, and you have fellowship with Christ because salvation came from the Father. He is the source of our salvation. The Father saved you and placed you in a condition of grace through faith in His Son. You have received the power unto salvation from God. And God has made you to be in Christ. And that happened how? Through the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The preaching of Christ crucified. That foolishness that I preach to you this day. And that is being preached in the world today. To the weak and foolish and low born in society. According to the world standards. Christ Jesus is divine wisdom. It, it, it's so interesting. How God chooses the weak and lowly in society to shame those who are puffed up with human wisdom and to do so to make them ashamed. But for the weak and the foolish, the power of God is manifested, revealed. The wisdom of God is revealed because Jesus is true God and true man. He is what we are not. Jesus is what we are not. 
He is what we could never be. And that is righteous. He is what we cannot become apart from Him. So He is what we cannot be, and He is what we cannot even become. Apart from Him, we are morally corrupt, foolish, unrighteous, defiled, and slaves to sin. We are great debtors, and that's what we've already read from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 5. Where we hear these words, can we make a payment, this debt, ourselves? God requires His justice be satisfied. The claims of His justice must be paid in full, either by ourselves or by another. Can we make this payment by ourselves? Certainly not. Actually, we increase our debt every day. Can another creature any at all pay this debt? No, to begin with, God will not punish any other creature for what a human is guilty of. Furthermore, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver him from others. What kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? One who is true and righteous man, yet more powerful than all creatures, that is one who is also true God. True and righteous man. And that indeed is who Christ is. He is true and righteous man, the true God and true man. The righteous one. Paul says, because of God, the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, the Son, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, in the original language, it's somewhat challenging to translate verse 30. Because it can seem, like from this translation, it can seem that there are four descriptions of who Christ is. That He is the wisdom from God, He is righteousness, He is sanctification, He is redemption to us. And certainly that's true. He is those things to us. However, in the original language, some translations word it this way. Listen carefully. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Because the way it's, it is in the original language, it seems that righteousness sanctification or holiness and redemption fall under wisdom from God. And so when we look at who Jesus is as being wisdom from God for us, we are seeing under that umbrella of divine wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That is why Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is those things for us. So that he has become for us our righteousness, our sanctification, and redemption. Because Christ 
became for us the wisdom from God. He is those beautiful, beautiful characteristics, descriptions of righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So let us boast in the Lord because Christ Jesus became wisdom from God. Wisdom from God. You see, God sent His Son to be the wisdom of God, to reveal wisdom from God, to reveal the Word of God. And that wisdom of God is revealed, especially in the cross of Christ, in the way in which God saves sinners. That divine wisdom is on display because the cross is the power of God unto salvation. The cross is foolishness to the world, but it's the wisdom of God to us. When we look at divine wisdom, who do you look to? You look to Jesus. You look to Christ our Lord. And you see His perfect work of redemption. That is divine wisdom to us. We know and believe that God saves by His grace through this one cross of the one Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom, Paul says, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, in fact, the whole life of Christ, the whole ministry of Christ, can be said to be the divine wisdom of God in human flesh who dwelt among us. But Paul would say earlier that to the Jew, the cross is a stumbling block. A stumbling block. And it's a stumbling block for many today. What's a stumbling block? It figuratively means a trigger to a trap. You ever take out one of those old-fashioned mouse traps? You put the, the cheese on there, and then you pull back that thing and hope you don't you let go and hurt yourself. But what holds it together? There's a little bar that goes across it, and that's the trigger. And when the mouse goes and that trigger is moved, for the Jew, the cross of Jesus is that trap. Is that trigger? Why? Because the Messiah doesn't die, especially on the cross. And so for the, for the Jew, the cross is a stumbling block. How can we believe in the Messiah when the Messiah will reign and rule? He will set up David's eternal throne. So for the, for the Jew, the cross of Christ is a stumbling block. But it's foolishness. It's moronic to the Gentile because there, there's no wisdom in a man who dies a criminal death at the hand of the Romans. There's no wisdom in that. That's foolish. That's foolish. Things haven't changed, have they? 
They haven't changed today. People have many harsh things to say about our Lord, particularly about the cross and resurrection of Christ. They think it's foolish, moronic, stupid. I mean, think about what we sing. When I survey the wondrous cross. Really? That's what they say. Really? Wondrous? What's wonderful about the cross? Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. It was imperative that Christ atone for sin and remove our guilt at the cross. Christ is the wisdom from God in that he removes guilt by the shedding of his precious blood and giving of his body unto death. That is God's wisdom for salvation of sinners. It is true wisdom. True wisdom. And Christ Jesus, the wisdom from God, is our righteousness. He's the wisdom from God to us, and he is our righteousness. Righteousness is that blessed state or condition by which the believer, the Christian, is accepted and approved by God himself. And Jesus is our righteousness, the perfect righteous one who accomplished for us that approval, that acceptance with God. There is no other man who is righteous before God except the Son. Apart from the Son, there is no righteousness found in any man because only unrighteousness dwells in human beings. Because of Christ, the wisdom from God for us, we are made righteous before God, guiltless before God. Guiltless before God. Because He is our righteousness, we boast in the Lord. For we have nothing to bring to the table. We are unrighteous in and of ourselves. Look with me at uh, chapter 1. Verse 8, Paul says that God, God who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guiltless. That is not able to be convicted after being scrutinized and investigated. No one can convict you. Nobody can look at your life and say, you are guilty. Bear the punishment. Nobody can do that. Why? Why? Because Jesus is our righteousness. And we are made righteous in Him through faith in Him and by God's grace. That is why Paul can say early on in the letter, He will sustain you. He will sustain you, Corinthians. Christian, he will sustain you to the end, guiltless. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this and who he's writing to. <laughs> After you think about the Corinthian and their issues, let's just say, 
at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 5, we learn that we have a great debt before God, and we looked at that last time when I looked at Psalm 49. No human being can pay that debt. We need a deliverer. What kind of mediator and deliverer must we seek? One who is true and righteous man and yet more powerful than all creatures. That is one who is at the same time true God. And now look at Lord's Day 6, uh, question and answer 16. Why must the mediator be true and righteous man? Because God's justice requires that human nature which has sinned must pay for its sin. But a sinner could never pay for others. Jesus Christ came in the likeness of human flesh. Came in the likeness of human flesh, yet he himself without sin. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is our righteousness because God sent the righteous one to assume human nature, to take on our likeness, so that in our likeness he bears our sin. Therefore we boast in the Lord. Christ Jesus, the wisdom from God, is our righteousness. He is also our sanctification or our holiness. Literally, our holiness. Hagiasmas, our holiness. Righteousness is a gift of God, earned by the merits of the righteous one, Jesus. Well, Christ is also our sanctification, our holiness. Because by nature we are defiled and unholy, impure. And Christ merited for us this holiness. For we are not only made righteous before God, but holy and blameless before him. Remember, nothing impure can come into God's presence. Even now as we worship, nothing impure is accepted in God's sight. But you, Christian, when you worship and you pray and you call out to him, he listens and hears you. He accepts you into his presence. Why? Because you have been made holy. Christ is our holiness. You can't muster up holiness for yourself. You can try all you want, but you'll never achieve it. But Christ has merited for us holiness. Because as the apostle says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, without holiness, no one will see God. So it's imperative that Christ himself, who is the wisdom from God for us, achieve and merit and earn for us a holiness that is acceptable to God. So are you holy before God? Well, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, you have been made holy by Christ's blood and righteousness. Do we understand the practical implications of this? Do you understand do you believe? To be holy is to be cleansed from sin, to have a clean heart before God. To be holy is to be set apart for service unto God in His presence, to worship Him. Do we get that? How does that change the way then you live your life of worship to God? 
How does that transform the ways in which you direct your affections toward God? Beware of the sin of apathy or indifference. Friends, you are holy. Christian, you are holy before God because Christ is our holiness. And we worship Him in holiness. In the splendor of His holiness. We come before Him clean and pure because of Christ. And so we boast in the Lord because He is our holiness, our sanctification. But lastly, we boast in the Lord. Let us boast in the Lord because Christ Jesus, the wisdom from God, is our redemption. John Calvin writes, Redemption is the first gift of Christ that is begun in us and the last that is completed. In other words, the Spirit applies the work of redemption. The Spirit applies the work of Christ on the cross into our lives, in our lives, and begins that life of redemption at conversion. And that life of redemption continues on as we are being sanctified, as we grow in Christ, as we are being made like in Him, made, made like Him in His image. But then redemption comes in the end. In the second coming, when redemption is completed at the end of this present evil age, Christ Jesus is the one who earned and merited our redemption. He is our mediator, the sacrifice, our ransom, our redemption, the one who paid the penalty for our sin. And there's no other way to be saved whereby God's justice is satisfied and sinners are set free and forgiven. There's no other way but the name of Jesus. Remember that. If you have not confessed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and so be saved, I implore you to repent and turn to Him and be saved. Know His redeeming love. Know the penalty of sin paid for by the Savior. Everything we need for our salvation is accomplished through the cross of Christ, what is called the foolishness of the cross. Wisdom, righteousness, holiness, redemption are essential ingredients to knowing God intimately and having fellowship with Him and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul makes it very clear that these blessed states or conditions come from God and only God who made His Son to be our wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption so that we indeed boast in the Lord and in no other. Boast in the Lord every day, Christian. From the rising of the sun to its setting, boast in the Lord. When you wake up in the Lord, say, Lord, my soul boasts in you. Boast in the cross of my Savior, the Christ. Set your heart right before you wake up in the morning. Know who you are and know who Christ made you to be. 
and boast in him and his perfect work. No person can claim the name of Christ without boasting solely in the cross of Christ. And this is why we believe as a church the doctrines of grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. That is what we confess and we see that in this passage of scripture the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as it is displayed in the cross of Christ. Salvation accomplished once for all by the Lord Jesus, who is the wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. So that as it is written, let he who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we boast, we glory in your great name. Because you, O Lord, sent your Son to pay the debts. He is the righteous one, true and righteous man, bearing all the infirmities of the flesh and yet without sin. We thank you that he assumed our very likeness. He sympathizes with us in our weakness. He bore the cross in its shame and suffering for us so that in Christ, in Him, we die to self and live to righteousness, so that in Him we are united to Him. And that we, O oh Lord, have fellowship with You. Help us to be a people who boast, who glory in You, O oh Lord, who glory in the cross of Christ, and who glory in the resurrection of Christ. In his name.